This podcast is sponsored by Uncana, trusted natural solutions. Uncana is a leading voice of advocacy for CBD in the veteran LEO and federal communities. Veteran owned and operated, the Uncana team is actively fighting for DOD access to CBD with political pressure, community support, and a simple message. Hashtag OpNatural. Uncana is vertically integrated with industry leaders from seed to sell, supplying premium small batch products to America's best. Use code MENTORS4MIL the number four, M-I-L, at checkout at uncana.com to receive your amazing discount. Read the Mentors for Military disclaimer at mentorsformilitary.com slash disclaimer. For Military Podcast. Really, from the moment I got shot, from the moment I got a Purple Heart, it really set me on a, a course that I'm on till today. Now, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's that's another thought process that I always challenge veterans with is to uh, you don't want to get too much to it now, but to um, look at that, dis- you know, look at that event and look at it in positive light. Look at what it gives you now. You know, it gives you disability check, which is a great thing to have. You know, I mean, everybody understands that. Um, education benefits, obviously, for disabled veterans are higher. You know, use those words, disabled. I hate using it, but it's just the term. But, yeah, just to change the thought process to replace these negative thoughts about I got injured, this happened to me, so it makes me this type of a person to really search and find the positives in that. And there, there's a whole lot of positive, actually, in being injured, you know. Obviously, there's levels of injuries, but you can find a lot of positives in every situation. And, and you know, if you're alive now and you're still breathing, then that was something that happened that got you to this moment. So you should be thankful for it. You came in in 2005 and separated in 2015. So guide me through that. What, what was the, you know, the MOS that you came into and what was the event that you were just talking about that? could help our our listeners kind of understand what led you on the journey that we're talking about. Cause I think it's important, you know, for, for us today to, and I try to do it every day to remain present and stay focused and stay in the moment. So I want to get into that aspect of it, but, but I think there's something here that kind of explains what you're doing at the moment. Right. And I'm sure we're going to touch on these cliche statements, you know, like stay present. It has a lot of depth once you really start breaking those things down and the older I've got, I've realized all these cliche things I'd hear, these these things I'd hear my grandma tell me growing up, they have a lot of relevancy and in, in, as far as living in the present moment and, yeah. and being present. But yeah, you know, I grew up in a small Texas town, just like many listeners, I'm sure, were just looking for a way to get out. Yeah, that was me. Where about? It was called Thorndale. Where's that? Called, it's still called Thorndale. It's about 45 minutes east of Austin. Okay. No, you're right. Well, it is a small town. I've never heard right. of it. <laughs> well, have you ever seen the movie The Rookie with Dennis Quaid? Yeah. So that was filmed in my hometown. I'm actually in the movie. That's like my little claim to fame. No, so in the stands clapping. I know everybody in the movie. So yeah. that's Thorndell's thing. We were in that movie. But yeah, you know, I was just I was eager to get out of there. It was it was never viewed anything more than me than just a waypoint or a way station onto something better. Yeah. And um, for me, always the way to get out was the military. There, even as a child, I always just had a desire to be something bigger than myself a little bit, and I wasn't. So excited by getting an education, you know, I, I didn't want to sit in a classroom. I just really wanted to get out and start experiencing life. And to me, it was the military. With that being said, I didn't join until I was 20 because I ended up waiting for, on some of my friends to join and that never happened. 
And then they started announcing the troop buildup in 2005 for what would become the surge. And I was, that was me. I was like, all right, I'm going. This is, this is my time. I'm going to jump in. And yeah, so, you know, I wanted to do something I couldn't do in the military. Um, I initially took an 18 x-ray contract. And then when I was in basic training, the drill sergeants really expanded on us how long that training process was, two years. And I was kind of eager to get deployed. They, 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 they left us with the impression that we might miss out on the war if we oh, get underwent that two <laughs> years of training. So uh, I, uh, I dropped the 18X packet in basic training, and I'm, I'm thankful I did. You know, I wish I'd have went that route, but that's not what uh, the universe had in store for me. And I really enjoyed my military career. So the early part, I was just in light, just a light infantry battalion. I was one of 30 soldiers to arrive at a new battalion. So I was one of the first guys there. I was an old, older PFC. So they pretty much told me right away, hey, you're going to be a team leader, um, at least until we get some sergeants in or whatnot. So that never happened. I ended up, I was pretty much an E3 corporal. And where I'm going with this is I spent my entire military career caring for soldiers and taking care of soldiers. And um, I, I cared for them. You know, I, I formed that that desire to really help my guys succeed, to help them succeed in life, not just their job, you know, to help them figure out what's going on at the core of their issues. Even the trouble guys, I was always taking the trouble guys and trying to help them redirect their energy. And it, it really helps me today because I deal with a lot of veterans in the work that I do now. And that skill set that I developed really helps. Um, but yeah, you know, after that, Deployed as part of the surge, like I mentioned, I was uh, in Rashid District, just north of the Green Zone, and we were based out of Camp Falcon. Mm -hmm. um, I was a fire team leader, but my main job was company-designated mar marksman. So we had two company-designated marksmen, and anybody that was in the surge and infantry skill sets or infantry uh, units back then, you'll remember the small kill teams that were the the hot thing, which was kind of like a cheap sniper team you know they didn't put us through sniper training they just put us through um what was called long-range marksman training and then our job was to go pretty much sit in hides and observe for enemy, enemy activity and take care of them if we if we encountered it um so yeah i ran a couple of those missions that was the main thing there would be about six to eight of us and we'd just go sit in a house in the city and we'd overwatch and sometimes we'd get into a little bit of action but nothing too much um and then in April, we got in a real, in the April of 2007, we actually got in a really bad firefight. Um, we were overwhelmed. We did not have good, good fields of fire on the house that so we, we actually, so the leader had initiated the ambush from our side poorly. We had, like I said, no, no real range of fire on the house. I happened to be in the one house that had a window that was facing this building. And like all these rounds are pouring into this window none of my guys could get to a position to suppress their fire. So it was, a, it was a pretty crazy little situation for a while. And I guess I zigged when I should have zagged running out the door and I caught a seven, six, two with my bicep. And that was pretty much, that was pretty much the end of my time there in Iraq. I was around for about a month more, but got medically evac and spent some time with the wounded war battalion after that. What year was this? So that was all in 2007. Yes, 2006, uh, wasn't it Camp Falcon that actually took a lot of heat? I mean, they they took a lot of bombing and explosions and stuff. Yeah, that yeah. Happen yeah. So in 2006, right before we got there, that's a funny story, um, their ammo depot had been hit by a mortar attack. Yeah. Camp Falcons was. Yeah. So we Huge got explosion, there. right? Yeah, yeah. We weren't there when it happened, 
But we got there and they, they put us on these pads way out by the wire. And we didn't know why there was nothing on these pads. They were just pads. We had to put our tents up and put the HESCO barriers up before we moved out into our cop in the city. And it turns out they had put us where the ammo dump had been. So <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> they have this place dialed in. Let's throw these guys in it, right? X marks the spot so, right here. Here you go. They already got a zero it in for you. We know that. Uh, yeah. So yeah. that's great. So, yeah, that was that was my first introduction to combat. Like, hey, welcome to Iraq. You're sleeping where you're di- they have a dialed in target on your forehead pretty much. So, but yeah, I was, I loved it. It was a great experience. You know, I, like, like I said, I, I have a hard time finding po- negatives in a lot of things when I look back. Yeah. Um, there, that's not always the case. I went through a lot of negative in, as my transition was going through, but I really enjoyed my friendships. I enjoyed the experiences and, you know, it's a, it's a really unique perspective to go out there and, and do that. You know, it, I know there's tons of us, but, but there's not that many, you know, when you talk about how many people are in the military versus how many people actually are on frontline combat and, and nothing from the support, we all do the same thing, but you know, it's an experience that I looked for. So I'm not going to sit here and be sad because I got shot. Cause it was something I was, you know, I was trying to be out there on the front line and that's, that's what that's, comes with it. Yeah. That's what you were trained to do. That's, that's you were doing your job. And like you said, Hey, you know, you could say you, you zigged instead of zagged or you zagged instead of zig. But right. uh, I mean, you know, thank God it was only your bicep. And it, no, it, I know. Yeah. I mean, was your arm out in front of you or something? Is that how so, it's luckily no, it didn't was, go in your chest. It was a, I was running out of a door. So the round actually caught me from behind. Um, and it just caught right where it just hit the inside of my bicep and went right through. It didn't hit bone oh, about God. a week before we, I had, we were in a firefight on a rooftop and we were there with some Kurdish guys and one of the Kurds got shot in his arm and it hit the bone and it, it dang near blew his arm off. Like it, it, the, the, the AK round pretty much shattered his bone and there was just some, his arm was just hanging there by some limbs or some tendons. Hmm. And when I got shot, you know, my first, because this had just happened, we were surprised. We were all just dumbfounded by how much of a devastating effect, effect a 762 had on the human body. So when I got shot, my first instinct was, is my arm here? You know, did it hit my bone? Fell down. Obviously, I felt that it wasn't that serious pretty quick. But we were still in a bad way for a long time. And we were light infantry guys, you know. Um, it's funny because I say that we we're light infantry guys. I was sitting there, we were. We were pretty terrified. We were getting ready to throw grenades downstairs if somebody came into the house. And I heard the 25 mic mic outside of a Bradley. You know, it's nothing better than that sound in that situation. Right. They right. dropped the gate down through the wall. I jumped in the back. And that's the only time I ever rode in a Bradley. But, you know, being a light guy, I don't give the, the mechanized guys as much jar as I, as I used to before that, for sure. Yeah. As far as the 7.62 round, I mean... That joker is pretty damn big and can do a lot of damage. So because it went clean through, you didn't lose your bicep muscle. Everything was still good. Yeah, I mean, I have I have quite a bit of scarring and nerve damage in my arm. It caused like quite a bit of damage, um, but nothing like skeletal. I can still use my arm. I you know I I, I can I'm pretty blessed and you know like when I boil it down, I really believe that. We'll go into this later, but, you know, my spirit guides or my higher self, however you want to attest to that, like really had a hand in my injury and, and was there. They were there for me. A Christian might contribute that to, to Jesus or their Christian God or other other thought processes might use other deities for that. But, you know, that was definitely one of those times when I feel that 
my higher self was there guiding me through that moment, making sure that the damage wasn't too bad, that I could continue on and tell my story. It's it's really unique because I have a soldier, or I had a soldier later in my career, and um, I had a ranger school date, and I got orders that, that cut my ranger school date, so I gave it to this soldier, and he went on to do great things. He went on to do pretty much the same type of stuff I was doing, but in Afghanistan. Um, his name was Kyle Osborne, and he got shot. The bullet went the same way. It went the same way towards his body. It just went a couple inches to the left. So it went into his ribs and in his body armor, and he didn't make it. Oh, and I'm you know, so, that. yeah, that was that was a hard thing to deal with. But you know, I think about that often. How we were pretty much shot in the same place, just two inches this way, two inches that way. Difference between me and him. So I think it's one of the challenges um, or difficulties a lot of guys go through is that one. Why you know, in in the case of if it would have been somebody else that right there in the firefight that would have been hit and then you know died from their wounds and stuff. You know, why not me? Why him? comes into play and then the remorse or um the the desire to still be in the fight you know and why did i leave you know after a period of time after you exit the service um so in your case i'm sure there's a bit of that like how freaky is this that you know all of these things happen and like you said whatever you call it a guardian angel whatever the case may be you know there's kind of I, i always look at it there's kind of a reason you know, right. why, what's your purpose? What's your passion? And there might be a higher power here that's having a lot to say with what your pers- your purpose and passion is in life. A hundred percent. And if you study, you know, some of the, the, the Buddhist mythology or the ways the way the Buddhists look at it, then death is honestly just part of that process. So if you start to look at the people you lost as less of a loss to you, yes, it's a loss to you, but they're fulfilling their their purpose in this life and going on to what's next, whatever it may be. You know, it's, 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 death is not final. That's something that I try to share with everybody is death is not final. It's just the beginning of something new. So that really helped me when I started thinking about that and applying that thought process to some of the friends that I had lost. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I don't fight every day to try to prevent, you know, veteran suicide and Let's keep everybody here alive in this present oh, sure. moment to experience it. Yeah. But yeah, you know, that's another thing. We gotta start looking at at these processes like death with with our eyes wide open rather than just, you know, it is sad, but there's positives to finding it as well. Well and everybody processes things uh, very differently. You know, 100%. yeah. And, and even with things like post-traumatic stress and stuff, I mean, um, everybody's not made and wired the same way. Uh, our DNA, that's the reason why we're all different. You know, we're, we, we have receptors and characteristics and things that come get passed down from generation to generation that, you know, is not always going to give us the, the body that somebody else has or right. the mindset or the whatever. And, and there's, there's some things obviously that we can change and we can do something about, you know, get off your ass and do some work and maybe lift some weights and, you know, exercise and eat right. You can't just sit there as a couch potato playing exactly. video games and, and assume you're going to get a 12 pack. So, but, right. but you know where I'm going here. It's like, there are limitations uh, that are going to happen along with this. Um, getting back to your story, though, after this occurred and you came back, you ended up spending another eight years or so within the Army. So what what happened after that? I spent, I guess, a year and a half at the Wounded Warrior Battalion. They wanted to kick me out. Not kick me out. They wanted me to take my medical retirement then, but just wasn't having it. I didn't feel like I was ready to get out of the military. So 
I told all the doctors I was fine, told them to write down that I was fine and everything was going good. And I, and I was, you know, I really was. I had some nerve damage in my hand, but in the grand scheme of things, I was good to go. So um, I, I had got orders to the first of the 509th down at Fort Polk. Oh, God. I loved it. I, <laughs> Geronimo was such a fun time. Um, you know, Fort Polk's a pretty horrible place, but yeah. I had I had some great dudes that I worked with down there, um, and we had a really fun time together. When the Airborne School, Pathfinder School, just was, you know, kicking down all these doors, getting ready to jump back into that um, SF career field, hopefully. And that's when, um, there's a funny story. I was sitting in my office one morning. I was a platoon sergeant. I was East platoon sergeant. And I heard my buddy just kicking stuff and throwing things all over the place. I go over in his office. Like, What's going on, man? He had just gotten recruiting orders. And I'm mm. busting his balls. I'm sitting there just riding them hard. Come on, man. Yeah, I know. Just wait for the punchline. And then my the first start comes up laughing, and he tells me to, that I might want to go check my email. So I was uh. I got hot. I got hot. I went and checked my email, and there it was, sitting there recruiting orders. Um, so that's I gave up my ranger school slot then to Kyle Osborne, who we were talking about. And okay. Went on to recruiting. You know, the recruiting field was full of horrible, horrible experiences right before I got there, you know, we heard about just really tragic stories. People were telling about what, how they had experienced loss of friends. I mean, loss of family members, all due to the time constraints that was put on a career field. Dude, I, I knew a guy that did a stress test at 40 years old. You know, the back then, the uh, the Army used to require, if you turned 40, to do a stress test. And we're sitting out there in the office, and all of a sudden, we get this phone call. We hear about this this guy who was an E7 that he was in great health. I mean, he, he seemed fine and everything, but he went to take the stress test and he died while Jeez. taking. And that just goes to show the the stress you know that was yeah. placed on it. So everybody always makes fun of you know you, the recruiting you know and all that kind of stuff. But um, man, there there was some. It was difficult. Yeah. It was challenging. And uh, coming from combat arms, both of us, you know, um, it was a different experience. Those that were non combat arms, I think, struggled even more. You know, with just the the challenges, I think did as well. yeah, being away from family, um, you know, the long hours and the stress and everything that came with it. But it's no joke, you know? right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'll get into that. I finished up my career at at, at the ROTC department at Texas A&M University. I was their their recruiter there for ROTC. But yeah, I mean, the worst health, the worst decline in my health, both physically and mentally, happened while I was on recruiting. 100%. You know, even my body, my body broke down from sitting in the chair, sitting behind the computer, mm-hmm. and then the stress. I, I, towards the end of my time before I actually, hey, I'm going to take my retirement, I was, I had a, a, a stress attack that was so bad they thought I was having a heart attack and they kept me in the hospital for quite a while. And this was all work related. I was single. Um, you know, I was just living a good life, you know, on, on the, on, it looked like it. I, single E6 or E6 promotable and doing good things at my job. But at the same time I was on the, I was on so many pills. It was ridiculous. You know, Mm. it was normal. They were like, Hey, take this, take this, take this 14 medications. I would, I had a tendency to abuse Adderall and Xanax quite a bit and drinking went along with that. So, you know, I'd, I'd wake up in the morning take a handful of Adderall and drink a whole pot of coffee and, go kill my job all day long, come home, handful of Xanax, bottle of red wine, get on 
what was that tinder swipe right you know all night long feeding you know just horrible horrible decision making all, all around but you know that was just all what led up to me like hey this is getting out of control um i don't have control over my life in the military in a way that i'd like to and i knew then that it was time for me to make a change or that i most likely wouldn't see and i was turning 30 i didn't feel like i'd see 40 if i didn't jump out of the military at that moment so that's when I decided to just take my retirement and move on to other things. Yeah. Wow. And at this time frame, so you were completely out of shape, you know, which is easy to do as well on recruiting duty because, you know, you caveat. You get- well, the caveat to that, I lived in a college town, so I had to impress the college girls. So I did CrossFit <laughs> and I stayed in shape. I stayed in shape a little bit at least. Uh, okay. Good deal. But I mean, you know, most of us and stuff, I mean, you know, you're getting up on occasion, you know, three or four o'clock in the morning because you got to go pick somebody up and take them down to the MEPS, you know, or, you know, that night you didn't get into bed, crawl into bed till one o'clock because you had to take somebody down the test and then you uh, had to pick them up and take them home. You turn right about and you think about all the hours and stuff that you're putting in, the fact that you're not doing any exercising. Well, you're also driving around 17, 18, 19 year old kids in your car as you're going through all of this mental and physical stress and stuff as well, which is probably not the best thing, but at any rate, um, so no, I was really like when you put it in that perspective, you know, the 30,000 foot view of like what a recruiter experiences stress wise. Yeah. It's absurd. Yeah. And I'm not taking, you know, like I said, I was on the front line of infantry unit as well. I'm not saying it's worse, but it's definitely as detrimental to your physical and mental Just health different. Yeah. As, Just, as anything else. Yeah. And, and so I wonder, this, this is where I was trying to figure out what got you into hiking and, and doing those types of things, because maybe CrossFit, you were in physical shape at that time frame or, and you not really. You, so, I mean, I, I did like pretty much as soon as I decided to take my retirement, I, I had surgery on both my arms, so I couldn't do anything physical for about six months. Um, they did some nerve reconstruction surgery and in that time I did start getting out of shape and, um, yeah, so my, my physical health was getting pretty bad, but honestly, like, so what I was going through is I commonly referred to as a dark night of the soul and, you know, middle and Eastern philosophy. And that's where you really just have to go through all these horrible, horrible things to actually give birth to positive stuff. Mm. So during my transition, my last year and a half, it was, it was, you know, like I said, it was the horrible things, all the cliche, horrible things that people go through. I was experiencing it full on. And I didn't know what to do. I honestly, I was lost. I remember having a conversation and with a good friend of mine. I was like, man, I just don't know what to do. I can't make sense of anything. I can't find a way forward. I don't know what to do. And I met my wife shortly after, like as all this was going on, the woman that would become my future wife. And honestly, man, she introduced me to marijuana and pot helped me a lot. It like from from the time I started smoking, I stopped. I started dropping medications, and I was I, I, like within six months, I was down to zero medications from fourteen. And the side effect of smoking pot was I liked to walk around outside as I smoked pot. So I'd find myself just hiking, and then slowly I just started realizing that just being outdoors, being outside really had a strong therapeutic effect on me and it's you know it's there's so many aspects of it because you're you're immersed in these beautiful sceneries you can talk about the energy that we are interacting with the energy out in the world and you know you can talk about it in the realm of quantum physics or in the mystics there's 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 theories for why this affects you across the board um a good book to read about is called the three-day effect by florence williams and 
you know, it talks about 72 hours is the time frame we need to be exposed to nature to see a change in our cortisol levels that indicate that we're experiencing less stress and, and starting to wind back the, the stress level. Hmm. I've never even heard of uh, that book, but everything that you're talking about totally makes sense. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that they they really need to have some form of recovery until they hit rock bottom. And I mean, you've got to hit rock bottom to yeah, some cases to, to realize. It. Yeah. And then I hear people who have either used, you know, either marijuana or um, CBD oil or something of that nature to help them come off of a lot of the meds that they were on, including opioids and stuff like that, that were there because they were being prescribed as pain relievers to, you know, to fix their ailment and stuff. And they didn't really need to take those things. So they started realizing that by changing their lifestyle and by maybe using more holistic approach that they were able to take better control over what's going on. And and it sounds very similar to you. Everything you're talking about, I've heard in so many different stories of guys, especially who've had struggles either with pain and addiction or to post-traumatic stress and the same challenges, you know, added to pain and addiction that maybe they also, of course, all of us get out with some form of ailment, you know? Right. Yeah. It's all about, you know, in my perspective, it's all about replacing these, these negative patterns with positive patterns, right? So if our brain is a computer and we're, we're operating on this old software that's that's malfunctioning. It's causing us to have self-harm, self-hate, self-deprecation, self-deprecating tendencies or just whatever it's doing. We need to update that software. And how do we do that? And for me, a very effective way of updating my software is just spending time out in nature. This past weekend, I took um, I had 15, 16 vets up to the top of Texas, Guadalupe Peak. And like I said, coming home, it's just euphoric. You feel, you know, the come down and just spinning out there. And you can't, you're not looking at your phone. You're not doing anything else. You're just experiencing the world in a very, very real way with a team of fellow veterans. And it's beautiful. It's, it's a great experience. And then another tool I really use is, is yoga as well. I'm, I'm an avid yogi. Yeah. I think that uh, the yoga philosophy translates to healing in a, in a way that many veterans, not just veterans, you know, we talk because we're veterans, that's our community. Sure. But there's so much trauma and healing needs happen in the world all over. But, you know, yeah. So for me, so much good comes there, from that too, though. I mean, like the breathing techniques that, yeah. The, yeah. The ability to, to really be in the moment and to try to focus. And I mean, we don't do that enough. No. So one, one thing I challenge a lot of people I encounter, and especially veterans is, or even active duty folks, when was the last time you really took a deep, breath and you thought about it because i know i probably didn't for an entire decade i probably didn't sit there and take a deep therapeutic death breath for the entire time i was in and you know the breath the breath when you break it down the breath is the present moment right because we're breathing and that's what that's this moment that breath is gone that's the past the next breath isn't here yet so that's the future so you know, we're, we get stuck in these, like you said, these these tendencies to ruminate on negative thought processes or look at the phone or whatnot, and it robs us of this very real present moment that we all experience. You know, because if you break down what's the one thing that's real that you can say is actually real and actually exists, it's this present moment. You know, that this is it. The future's not there, not here yet, and then the past is is just a a memory that really doesn't exist. You know, it might carry forward in some ways, but we got to stop letting those things dictate and rob us from our present moment, especially in the veteran community. When you have guys that um, identify with their disability somewhat, you know, and that rob who you really are. 
And when you say these words, when you manifest this, when you say, I am a, to say, I, I have this problem, then you're just, you're creating that problem and you're reinforcing that problem. So, you know, intention is another thing. It's very strong to say and out loud or to have a thought process to lead to a better outcome because that just comes back to that whole brain being a CPU. You're programming your brain to produce a better outcome for you in the end state. Then if you sit around and you think about negative stuff, you're programming your brain to produce negative stuff to come out. Well, I think um, what I've experienced at least is there's quite a few of us that probably look at um, opportunities to find an excuse for for the reason why we can't do something, can't be something. Right. And, you know, and to your point, some of it tends to be that we look back in our past to find that, or we look at our disability, which is the present. Um, and I can't remember who it was or who stated this here recently about how it's so important to not live in the past because the past is something that you can't control anyway, because it's already been lived. You lived that moment. Right. And so you can focus on right now, of the things that are around you at this very moment, and you can change the outcome of the future by whatever it is that you're creating right now. So if you envision what you want for the future, then take the necessary steps in the moment to make sure that you drive the behavior towards that future. Yeah. And so what you're talking about is not some kind of hokey pokey stuff. This is people write books on these types of things, you know, but we don't focus on that because that's not the message that we hear. Right. Yeah, I mean, this is nothing new. Like, by far, this is some of the oldest philosophy that exists in the world, honestly. And every five years, somebody else reinterprets it a new way and writes a book about it, and it's considered the newest thought process. But it's been around for a long time. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just developing these tools. There's a whole bunch of them. And develop them and use them to help you succeed at situations. But, you know, talking about in a very real way how you can manifest your future. So, 2015, I'm hiking with my wife, who's going to be the woman, who's, Adrian, who's going to become my wife. And I remember just telling her, I would love to do this. I would love to take veterans out hiking. And fast forward four years, and you know, I took a group of ten veterans to the highest mountain in Africa, on top of many other trips that you know we'll get into here in a, here in a while. I'm well, let's sure. go ahead and jump to it. Let's uh, talk about that because I mean that was Kilimanjaro. So, I yeah. mean, we, well, first off, before you mentioned, you know, earlier you mentioned about Texas. Most of the people are going to be going, "What the hell?" I thought Texas was flat. So, what's the right. how high was this peak that you just recently went on? So Texas is flat. So Guadalupe Peak is the highest peak in Texas. It's 8,700 and some change. That's some serious. Yeah, that's a serious hike. But it's almost in New Mexico. It's it's so close to New Mexico that depending on where your cell phone is pinging off of, what tower, you might get New Mexico time or you might get Texas time. Interesting. Time zone. Okay. So, but yeah, it's uh, 8,700 some change. It's about a good solid 10,000 plus lower than Kilimanjaro in Africa. Um, but yeah, so we live in, obviously I live in Texas. How do we get to Africa? Um, the, the short story is I got involved with a nonprofit called the Warriors Keep. Um, and that happened. I, I first got involved with them back in 2018. I went on a trip with them to Colorado for what's called the veteran expedition program. And that's the main thing we do. We take veterans on local trips. And right now in the format of that is this year, we, we have two trips to Colorado where we will take veterans to climb multiple mountains in rocky mountain national park we stay in condos you know it's 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 a really great trip um and then we'll also have a trip where we go to uh new, new mexico to do fly fishing and climb a mountain there as well and that'll be in the fall 
And on top of that, we will take another, well, we're taking another group of veterans back to climb Kilimanjaro this year for Freedom Peak 2020. But um, yeah, the, 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 like I said, the nonprofits, the Warriors Keep, our founders, John Cody Harden, he's a U.S. Marine Corps guy. One thing I found out since a veteran, being a veteran is like, I love my Marines. They're like, they're great dudes. I, I, I didn't have any real experience with them while I was in the service, but yeah. ever since getting out, some of my best friends, the dudes I do most of my stuff with are actually Marines, and I love those guys. But, you know, our mission is to unite, empower, and enhance the quality of life for veterans with the use of outdoor therapy. And our motto is Outdoor Adventure Therapy for Heroes. And that's, you know, pretty much what we do year-round is we're always trying to raise money and get program participants to to continue driving this mission forward. Um, so how did you find them in 2019? Because this, this fits right within your wheelhouse. I mean, here you again, we're talking right. about how you love the outdoors and then, you know, how you'd like to, you were telling your, um, you know, then fiance at that time frame or girlfriend, Hey, this is something that I'd love to be able to do with veterans is for them to experience the outdoors and get the same type of therapy. So what was it that had you find warriors keeper? How did they find you? So that's a, kind of a long story in itself. So 2015 as well, I found I found myself sitting on the couch being fairly angry at everything. You know, I think we all kind of were 2015, 16 were some pretty hot years. And um, I wasn't living a healthy life. You know, I was just starting to get into yoga, but I was mainly just sitting around being mad all the time. Um, and I don't know if you follow what happened was going on too much back then, but there was a a protest camp in Standing Rock, North Dakota, like a Native American protest oh, camp. Yeah. They were protesting the Dakota Access Pipeline. And yep. we, I saw it on news. I saw on the news that this was going on, and I had heard that there had been a lot of veterans that were up there, and I got involved with the group, and we actually just went up there just to experience what was going on. And I, like I said, I, ha I didn't have a community of veterans at this time. I was a guy sitting on my couch. I didn't have any friends local. All my friends were spread across the country. And, um, what I took from this experience was just being around a community of veterans is great. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You know, this was a really crazy situation. And if you want to talk about political ideal ideals, it can go one way or the other. But the bottom line is there was some people there and they needed some services. So we had groups of veterans that were delivering firewood, cooking food, um, building shelters, you know, just managing day to day activities on this, on this camp, helping, people survived through this pretty harsh winter. Um, and what I saw there was there was a large group of veterans that were living there, more or less. They didn't have anywhere else to go. They didn't want to go anywhere else. They were living there. And I decided what we're going to do, me and my core group of guys, we founded a, another organization and we raised $40,000 and we, um, we founded, well, we funded a kitchen there and that kitchen specifically fed the veterans that were, there at Standing Rock. So we fed the veterans and then we helped them get out of there when it all shut down. We bought plane tickets, gas money, things like that to help everybody get home. And then that organization, we went on to help in Hurricane Harvey as well. Um, we we got the, like right when it first happened, we got down, we were part of, we started helping the Orange County Volunteer Fire Department. Um, it was just one guy. He was the chief of police or the chief fire chief. His name was Matt Manshack. And he was actually ended up being a gold star uh, family member. Oh, wow. So it was just another one of those moments of synchronicity. You know, we're yeah. here helping this guy and it just turns out this is who he is. Um, but yeah, so that that was pretty much the end of that organization. It was a great time. I really enjoyed it. It 
opened my eyes to being involved in the veteran community and like developing a uh, developing my own community and network of veterans and enacting change in whatever way we may see or try to enact change. And so I just started looking for other organizations. How can I be involved? I worked on myself. I really got more into yoga, like I said, and, you know, up to my hiking game and started studying like anything I could. I just would devour it on hiking, climbing mountains. I was just into it. I wanted to do it with a passion. And I started following just a lot of different organizations out there that do it. There's Aries Climb Team in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, Uncana, you know, Kobe, they do a lot of stuff there in Colorado. So I just started following a bunch of these organizations. And one day, this application popped up and it said, hey, go to Colorado with the Warriors Keep based out of McKinney, Texas. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You know, they're, I'm not, you know, they're about three hours north, but I was like, this is perfect. So I put the application in and I was lucky enough to get selected. And on that trip, uh, me and the founder, Cody, we really bonded as well as some of the other members of the organization. And in the airport on the way back, they offered me that program pretty much they wow. offered me the, yeah they offered me the vedex program so i came on board i put together the plane the training schedule for what would become our freedom peak one or our, our first kilimanjaro trip it, we proceeded with a six-month training schedule with these guys to prepare them to go to kilimanjaro what what what, what i mean how did kilimanjaro all of a sudden pop in somebody's head i mean well, that was that's cody that's all cody um okay. this happened about a year before i even met him he just he heard about it and he said, "Hey, you know what? We're gonna do it." So it's it's a big mountain. It's one of the seven summits of the world. It's nineteen thousand plus feet. Yeah. Um, but nope. the thing about it is, you can walk up it. You know, you don't need technical skill sets. Multiple, like a, a varying degree of physical fitness ability, even walks up this mountain on a regular basis. So that's what it's known for. It's known as being an attainable goal. And on top of that, the peak is named Uhuru Peak, and and Swahili. I'm sorry, Swahili. That translates to freedom peak. So there's some uh, there's a metaphor in there about taking veterans up to this peak to gain freedom from, you know, wow. what's down at the bottom. Yeah. Obviously, a thing we refer back to is, you know, climb the mountain of life is is a challenge that is presented frequently to the the program participants. Like take these lessons, and and it really does translate. You know, when you're on the mountain, especially when you're talking about Uru Peak, it's three o'clock in the morning and you're standing at 17,000 feet and it's completely dark. All that's real is that moment. You know what I mean? You're not thinking about slipping or falling down below, or you're not thinking about getting to the summit. You're just like, let me breathe. Let me keep my eyes open and let me keep moving. You know? Yeah. So the air is a hell of a lot lighter. It It, is. It's insane. Oh my God. So, so of course I'm sure, you know, you get a little euphoric in, in little, um, you know, woozy to some degree. And I don't know. It's, I could totally. No, it, was, it was intense. It was definitely <laughs> intense. <laughs> yeah. So, like one, one story I tell is, we'd take these stops, and like I said, we stepped off for the summit at four in the morning. So we went from fifteen thousand to nineteen thousand. That was the last push, and we I, we stepped off at midnight. I don't know why I just said four in the morning. We stepped off at midnight. So you know, we'd pull over on the way up, and you'd lean up against the rock to take a breath. And if you closed your eyes, you would feel like if you just let go, you would just drift off into the vast existence. It's a very odd feeling, but you definitely get some little twilight feelings up there once you get above 15, 17. I noticed it at 17 myself. It was like a, a, a switch flipped once I passed 17 and I could just feel it. I innately knew I was above 17,000 feet and I could, it was almost, 
like it was it was like almost like you know taking a psychedelic drug to an extent no i can't imagine i mean so i think the furthest i've ever been of course i drove i didn't walk uh was like twelve thousand or something like that and and i just remember being outdoors at that level and you know above the clouds and the shortness of breath and the whole bit and of course i already have some difficulty breathing because of a deviated septum so that didn't help all of a sudden when i'm up there and i got one right. and a half nostrils it's actually trying to suck in oxygen you know right. but it was um I, I could definitely feel at that that moment you know very different because again you're of the you're above the clouds you can see what seems like forever you know right. and and if it's at nighttime you can see every stinking twinkle of every star that's in the sky. Right. Because, you know, you don't have all the light noise that's uh, breaking it all up, you know, especially depending upon where you are. And I'm sure at Kilimanjaro, it's definitely that way. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I pay attention to the stars. I'm naturally drawn to the stars and what is all that and the, the great expanse of the universe. And one of the crazy things that I, I studied the stars, not extensively, I have an app on my phone and we'll see stars sometimes and people will be drawn to them. It's, it's crazy. We'll have a group and they'll be like, look at this one star and we'll look it up and it'll be a star of some significance. It, it's always like serious or, you know, something that an ancient culture referred to. I don't know if there's anything to that. It's just odd that we continually find ourselves drawn to these certain stars. But yeah, so we were, like you said, we're above the clouds. So there's no light. There's no light from the below because the clouds turn all that light off and you could see, at one moment, you could it felt like you see every night, every star in the sky, and then it got so dark it was almost like you couldn't even see the stars because the mountain was just huge and big and big in front of you. Wow! But then on the flip side, we got to the top and the sun came up, and you just looked out and you would just see a a sea of clouds as long as you as far as you possibly could, and the mountain itself was forming like a a big triangle, and it, the triangle went off into the distance as far as you could see, and it's definitely unique perspective definitely unique experience and you know I, i'm looking forward to going back this year and being more present in that moment because last year i was just amazed that i had oh so i didn't even mention that i had broken my ankle a month before we left for kilimanjaro oh geez on, yeah on our fifth training event um coming down from the mountain on our fifth training event oh thank god it was not so, going up yeah yeah <laughs> so um you know there was a moment i didn't even know if i would get to experience that so i was I was a little bit out of shape, obviously. I sat on my couch, let my ankle heal for a month. But thanks again to Kobe and Canna, their CBD salve really helped, and their full spectrum really helped heal up. Yeah, great but, products, uh, by the way. It is. Got to make sure you use in our code, Mentors from Mill. I do. I use Mentors from. I use. I have three that I rotate through usually. But, uh, but yeah, you know. So I was just really happy to be there, and it yeah. was overwhelming. It was emotional. Um, I had to choke it down, you know. I don't like to throw like the edges like leader around or anything, but the bottom line is we put this trip together and we took these guys up there and it's just such an amazing experience. You know, doing good for others is a very self-serving thing for me, you know, so I, I really enjoy it. It's my, my thing. I enjoy being able to get these veterans out there, present them with challenges, build these teams, let the teams interact. I mean, it's just like a deployment. Like you get a group of guys, gals together we go climb a couple of mountains, do a couple of hikes, and then we go to Africa together. It's, it very much resembles like, you know, what you would see as like a deployment train up on a small, a small scale, obviously. I mean, you, you think about all that's going on here. Um, some of the things that I think a lot of people miss as veterans is that the teamwork, the camaraderie. You don't see the same type of teamwork out here in the private sector when you're working in the civilian world. It's just non-existent. Uh, they don't have the same types of bonds because you go to some, go through something very unique together as veterans 
And so when you meet fellow veterans, you know, we typically bond immediately with those individuals for the most case. And um, can it start strike up a, a story and the whole bit? And and you start, again, having a bond that forms there. Here you're talking about then combining that with all the other aspects that come into play from what you did in service and a sense of service that goes along with this by, you know, some ways, in your case, giving back to somebody else, to other veterans. I would imagine even the individuals that go on this trip don't realize it, but they're probably giving back through their story sharing and the conversations they're having with the fellow veterans that are there or the people that are there, a healing process for themselves. But then also they're giving back in some ways by helping somebody else by extending another hand. Inspirational to see the things that these guys over guys and guys I say guys as you know, yeah, we general. have females as well. Right. Um, but yeah, so for instance, this past week, Chris Biggs, he's a below the knee left leg amputee. And he climbed this mountain with us. He's on our team going to Kilimanjaro with us as well. Wow. Chris, Christy Ennis, if anybody knows who she is, if you don't, Google her. Oh, yeah. She's an above-the-knee amputee who you know, has climbed almost every one of the seven summits of the world. Uh, we use her same guide to go up Myrmidons. We really care about what she does, and we find what she does inspirational. But you know, touching a little bit on, like, you're talking about the civilian world and how it, you know, how it is in the military— one thing that I don't think people really think about is, in a very real sense, our whole entire reality changes the minute we take that uniform off, you know? And you got to accept that. You got to accept that your reality is going to change. Things are going to change. You're going to need to find a new identity in one way or another. You don't have to completely erase the identity that you were in the service, but you're going to have to become a new person. Your reality is going to change. You're going to have to learn new ways to communicate. You're going to have to learn new ways to navigate the world, new yes. ways to get things done. In a very real sense, everything is new. Everything's changed. It's a new reality. So when we come back to these groups of veterans, it's like you're just going back to, you know, hey, we, you know, back to that same group of core people that have experienced that reality. And you all just start interacting. And it's, it's electrical. I see it so much. We really we care about the teams we put together. We, you know, just like any. Uh, board in the military if you're selecting a team you want to really get into it and get the best people and just seeing them interact it's like autopilot you know i don't have to do anything i just let them interact and i'm along for the ride just like they are but it's it's definitely a unique experience to be able to interact with so many different veterans and hear so many different stories and and to continue to just learn from everybody i i interact with you know I'm not a guy that's sitting here telling you that I figured out the way to be happy, obviously. Like, it's a work. It's a, it's a process. It's a work. you got to keep doing it. Keep working on these things. Keep developing new skills to help you overcome adversity. And I share and I learn on these trips as much as I share as well. You know, some of these people who are listening or some that are listening might um, think, okay, well, you know, I'm not a veteran. I'm still on active duty. This is this is where I think it's so important that the people who are listening, whether you're a civilian, you're on active duty or you're a veteran, all these things that we talked about on this show are so key. I mean, try to, to you know, outside of your unit, your day-to-day job, if you're on active duty, try to find like-minded people. Try to find a way to continue your sense of service if you don't feel like you're doing that within the military and it's satisfying you in the way that you want to. You know, work on your breathing techniques and finding peace within the moment and determining what it is that your passion and purpose is in life. You know, um, all of these things that we kind of talked about, it doesn't matter. It, do, it really doesn't matter. And as a matter of fact, if you can do it while you're still on active duty, 
then you're going to meet like-minded people that share your ideals. And when you go out here and start having a conversation, you know, and climbing a mountain or doing these types of activities that really motivate you and get you, you know, pumped and juiced up and stuff for life, you know, that's going to be good for you on the job. You're going to be able to take care, uh, you know, take those experiences, um, those stories and, and those types of things to your workplace and your everyday life and be able to be even that much more satisfied. hundred percent. I mean, I say when when everybody, when I boil everything down about like what is you know the warriors keep and everything else, it's you know community is the core of survival. If you can develop a good community and maintain that community and, and engage in that community, whether it's you know your veterans or your fellow service members, the guys on your A team, the guys in your line platoon, whoever it is, just invest in that community, you know, and really like you said, find like-minded people that are going to encourage you to grow and encourage you to do things that you enjoy rather than, you know, suck you down to the bars in Columbus every weekend or whatnot. But, you know, while we're talking about people that are in this stuff, it really helps to do it while you're in the mindfulness, the, the, the being present. The Marines were actually ahead of this in 2011. They took a small battalion, about 320 and split them down the middle. And they put, uh, half of them through a mock village with, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, everybody should know what a mock village is, but mm-hmm. high, high stress mock village. They put each one through the high stress mock village. Prior to this, they had put one half of the control or half of the group through mindfulness, mindfulness therapy, teaching them breathing techniques and just all these things to help them control their emotion. Um, and the other half they didn't. And when they took the tests after it was all done, they looked at the data, the cortisol levels. I mean, it was it was crazy how much the people that had the training did not react and were able to maintain healthy stress levels compared to the other group. You know? Yeah. I've actually heard this study before. And um, we had a pararescue man that was on the show at one time frame that talked about you know, if people, he, when people ask him, what are some of the things that you can do to help prepare for, you know, being a, going to pararescue school, you know, being a pararescue man and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, learn to be in the present, learn breathing techniques, you know, those types of things, because the stress that's going to be coming at those types of individuals, or, you know, really any of us for that matter, but I'm just talking about high stress types of roles within the military, especially if you learn those basic techniques that you're describing, it's going to make you better of a warrior, an operator, an individual. A hundred percent. And I mean, at the top levels in the special forces community right now, this is known. This yes. is practice. I mean, look up Live American Yogi. It's a brand. Um, it's ran by a cur- current special operations dude in North Carolina, and they promote and advocate the yoga philosophy through the veteran and active duty community. I actually was awarded a scholarship to attend yoga teacher training from I haven't been able to take advantage of it yet, but they're doing great things to really raise awareness and get more veterans involved in yoga. So, you know, if yoga is your thing, that's a good, or if you're interested in yoga, that's a good place to start. I mean, that's so a lot of people will be listening to it and they'll be going, ah, man, yoga is not my thing. Go do it. Yeah. Just YouTube, look up YouTube. Don't go to a studio. If you go to a studio, there's too many factors. Get in your living room. If your back hurts, YouTube uh, yoga for lower back. If your hips hurt, YouTube yoga for hips. 20, 30 minutes on your floor, you'll feel better. You will feel better, and you'll start developing this. Do it a couple times a week. 
I remember when I started, my pain was so severe, I couldn't bend over and pick up my kids. Well, it's just flexibility, you know yeah. what I mean? I mean, because, you know, you think about it, we bulk up and everything by lifting weights and doing, you know, mass workouts and stuff in a lot of cases, and we don't realize that the flexibility is much more important. You know, you can you can work on your, your balance, um, your toning and everything else and stuff through this yoga and the breathing, and, and when you start bulking up, you're not going to be able to have the same freedom of movement. You know, yeah. So, I mean, everything you're describing, I know beneath the surface foundation, I don't know if you ever heard of them. Yes, I know. Yeah. I thought that's who you were talking about. Yeah, actually it was. Yeah, Matt. And so Matt actually has some free videos that are out there as well that uh, through his foundation for individuals that are wanting to at least experience it, you can put it on. They'll give you some step-by-step guides. There's probably plenty of others out there as well. Um, like you were mentioning, but I mean, there are opportunities that are available out there to pick this up, to see if it's something of interest. I can tell you back in the day when we'd have individuals that would come in because PT would get boring as hell. And so we'd have some new instructors that would come in and teach us something. And it would be really awkward, you know, in the first, because you're thinking, oh my God, what, why are we going to be even be doing this? Right. And then you leave that and you're kicked your ass. I mean, you're sweating like crazy, you know, your, your muscles are, you know, sore the next day and you realize, oh my God, I did something that my body was not used to, Mm -hmm. but yet I also felt really damn good about it when I got done. Right. Yeah. I mean, and the physical fitness aspects are substantial as well. I mean, the, my main practice that I use in preparing to climb mountains is yoga. And I ride my bike as well. I don't run as much as I used to, but I bike and I do yoga. And and consistently, I'm not bragging on myself. I'm just saying consistently I manage to be able to outperform and I'm not sore on the next the next day at all. And, you know, we'll be in Colorado. We'll go climb the mountain. And the next day we'll go out to eat and everybody's, oh, my back, my legs, you know. Right. Yoga. I tell them, yoga, do it. It will help you. Check it out at least. There's nothing that's going to, you know, you're not, what are you going to lose 30 minutes on your floor rolling around trying to feel better? But when I first started doing it, I did it for six months at my house before I even stepped in a yoga studio. And I would, it felt so good. I would do it three, four times. I would go to, I would do yoga three, four times a day, like a 30 minute video, just working on releasing all this pain in my back and my hips. And, you know, yoga teaches you that pain is something you can release just like you can open up your hand. If you really pay attention to your body and put the work in, you can just let go of that pain and not hold on to it anymore. And that's another one of those cliche statements. But, once you break it down and you understand it, it's it, it it has a very strong effect on on you. Yeah. When you think about the deep history of yoga and stuff, you know, about the, you know, it goes along with a lot of the other uh, martial arts and stuff about, you know, understanding the chi, you know, your surroundings and the whole bit. So I don't want to get too deep there, but we can do that one. We can do all that. Another podcast. <laughs> yeah. Quantum physics, we'll bring it all in and just like really talk about I'll, it. I'll bring Matt in for that one because he'll probably uh, have a lot to add to it as well. But um, so, I, you know, you bounced around the subject of Warrior's Keep. I mean, what we were really, you know, kind of focusing on in here, here at the very beginning is not only your background, but um, also about just trying to remain in the present, which I think was so important throughout this episode. But um, since you brought up Warrior's Keep and you've talked about some of the great things that you, you guys do, how can people learn more about it? They, they listen to this now and they're going to go, okay, Warrior's Keep, I've never even heard of them. How can I get involved? Right. So I would encourage people, like apply for our programs, obviously. You can go to our website. We're at www.thewarriorskeep.org. Facebook has everything, um, just The Warrior's Keep. And then Instagram, we put some stuff up on there as well. 
you can reach out to me. I'd encourage anybody to reach out to me. I'm on Instagram at ghostbeard underscore Mark, but the easiest way is just Mark at the Warriors Keep. So if you remember my name and that I'm part of the Warriors Keep, you can send me an email at mark at the Warriorskeep.org. Um, I'll send you all this stuff to be able to apply for our programs. We have a right now we're recruiting for our spring VEDEX, which runs from March 26th to the 29th. We're going to be taking 12 vets back up to Colorado. Those close on February 15th. So if anybody's listening there, I don't know if this will even come out before then, but if it does and those people are interested, reach out to me and you know, we'll get that application to you. Um, we're always raising money, obviously. So I got to throw this one in here. Cody's going to jab me, but you know, we have some sponsorship levels and our thing is we do summit flags. So we carry warriors, keep flags up mountains and for different levels of sponsorship, you can get a flag that somebody's carried up the mountain signed with their picture. Oh, cool. It pretty much breaks off as an individual for 500 bucks. You get that flag from carried up as an organization. You can get the same thing. And then if you jump up and you want to sponsor like the big program, Freedom Peak, which is our Africa trip, um, for $5,000, you'd get the same thing. You'd, you'd be a name sponsor for the trip. You'd get your name on all of our you know, our documentary, all that stuff that comes out. And you'd as well get a flag signed by the team that was carried up to the top of the mountain with a picture on top of the mountain. So ah, that's very if, cool. You know, if you're an organization, you're looking to help out any five, ten, however much, just send me an email we have consistent fundraisers going on Facebook. You can find our GoFundMe on there as well. But mainly, I need people to apply to the programs. I need these veterans to get encouraged, to get off the couch, get behind the computer screen, put down the phone, and actually apply and come experience our programs because we can't do it if you know we don't have program participants. And yeah. So we're always looking for good good folks to apply. So are there um, like pre-workout stuff? Like, you know, for instance, if I wouldn't get engaged and I'm not the, in the, the best of shape, but I want to experience the outdoors and I want to be able to climb, you know, at some point I have a goal to be able to go to Kilimanjaro and stuff. Do you, is there levels, in other words? Is it sort of like, hey, Robert, what we're going to do is we're going to put you in, you know, group B and stuff. And so we're going to, you know. Right. Is there? Yeah. So, I mean, well, for the Kilimanjaro we have a six month train up. I don't know. I don't think we're going to do that again until maybe later. Actually in 2022, we're going to be doing the John Muir trail, which is 220 miles or 22 days. So that's our next hard target. We are recruiting for that right now. Um, but so what I'm saying is 2021, we're going to take a break. So this is going to be the last Kilimanjaro push for a while, but for those bigger programs we do, we have a whole training that leads up to it, which it'll include a bunch of different things to get you prepared, both, Physically and like on the gear aspect, we'll go over all that stuff. But we also have local. So we have uh, local vet rec hikes. So we'll do hikes. We'll do yoga events, paddleboarding events, um, mountain biking. We're, we're always working to expand. I'm actually going to get my scuba certification this summer by um, Warfighter Scuba. It's down in Honduras. Okay. So it's a, they run scuba certification for any combat wounded veteran. And it's multi. It's across uh, all nato nations so there's that's a pretty cool experience and we're hoping to roll scuba in our programs next year and right now we have these groups that are working to have local events in colorado new york here yeah those are the main places that we're working to have them but if you're in an area and you want to come to one of our programs and you don't feel like you're you know there yet find a trail go start hiking send me an email we'll help you put it together a community in your area give you the tools to help develop that community and, and start growing it. Cause you know, ideally we, we would like to see the Warriors keep, keep in multiple locations. We would like for people to be able to 
a synonymous name with like go get outside and get some therapy. Um, you know, we're, we're working to collect data and be able to present this to the VA eventually. And I'm actually changing my whole degree program up to hopefully be able to facilitate all this. And, you know, we're, we're trying to make this thing stick and build a product and build a brand that's going to stick around and help veterans heal for the foreseeable future. I mean, we don't want it to go away. That's awesome. And and I didn't realize it was just that. So I'm glad that you expanded upon that because, you know, when, when people might be listening to this like I was, you, you may be thinking, okay, the goal is Kilimanjaro. The, the goal is to climb mountains. It's not that. It's really, as you were talking about in your own story, getting outdoors, experiencing the camaraderie and the, and the people around you and stuff and having these experiences that will help you grow mentally and physically and um, really kind of just expand your self-being or your well-being. Right, yeah. Just, just to rebrand of what you're capable of as well. You know what I mean? Like It all comes back to that. If if you have a reason for why you can't do something, you're never going to do it. We try to just challenge everybody to let that reason sit on the couch while you come out with us, you know, and uh, come back to it. It's just community as well. We just really want to facilitate a community where veterans can come and heal because I hear I I don't go to the VA. I just never really went, but I hear horrible stories about the way people get treated. And, you know, I think we all need to recognize and address that these suicides that are happening in, happening in VA facilities, that's an act of protest. You know, it's, it's, it's not, they're not just doing that. Yeah. They're not just killing themselves there for no reason. They're saying this place has failed me and I want you to know it's failed me. And this is my last desperate attempt to share with you that this place has failed me. So I'm not pointing all the finger at the VA. I know it's, it's a huge complicated system. There's no answer. All I'm saying is we're trying to help pick up some of that slack and, and help make sure nobody slips through the cracks. I love your story, Mark. I love that you shared it. And I actually absolutely love what you guys are doing for veterans today. And and like you said, you know, this is about trying to create that, that whole camaraderie again and, and uh, getting people back on the right track and, and opening it up and getting the right type of counseling or discussions or conversations that help them in their, their job in the private sector now uh, in their, their home place, you know, with their spouse or significant others, or, you know, just with their family members, whatever it may be, just getting themselves back in, into the right space. And so I appreciate you coming on and, and uh, talking about it. Yeah, I mean, it's work and just keep putting in the work. And I appreciate you guys for having me. I've mentioned it a couple of times before, but I really want to I want to point out that I, in canon, I want to thank Kobe for what he does. He really advocates for the veteran community and the activity community um, as what's acceptable for healing. For instance, you know, he introduces ideas to a lot of people that they might not think of if it wasn't coming from that brand. Their Full Isolate is one of the best products on the market. I've tried other CBD products and this isn't a play dad, obviously. I can't. I do not perform near as well when I, I don't have it. It helps me recover. It helps me sleep. So if you're a veteran and you need, you know, you're you're interested in it, definitely at least follow those guys at Uncana. Read the information they put out. He knows what he's talking about. It's a good product. It will help you recover greatly. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I'm sure he's going to appreciate the plug. Yeah. I mean, being a sponsor of the podcast, it's real easy for me to go out there and say, hey, I love this product and all that. But it, you're absolutely right. It's it's spot on of what you're talking about. And you hear it over and over again from the people who actually, you know, reach out to him. And there's not very many organizations like his that are veteran led that um, have the passion that he does to actually try to change the DOD policy um, that's out there currently right now and working with law enforcement and the DOD side 
but also, you know, you, you think about the product, it's, you know, ISO 9001, they follow those, um, those procedures, um, FDA, uh, you know, they, they follow the guidelines there, CGMP, which stands for Current Good Manufacturing Practices, um, you know, it's, it's one of these organizations that's doing it the right way. Right. Well, it's an unregulated market. So like you said, you get what you pay for and they really care about their product and yeah. I think it shows, but yeah, I, like I said, I, I'm, I was pumped. You guys had me on, um, you know, hopefully we can cross paths and talk about some other stuff again in the future. I really enjoyed it, Robert. So 